I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 138 of Cinepunks. Pause Cinepunks. for effect. Pause for effect. Did you hear that? That was good, right? That was good. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 138, because I've been listening to that section hate record, and it's so good. I don't know what I've been missing in terms of, like, aggressive hardcoring, but my goodness, that record, Liam, I love it. I love I, it so I, much. It, it it makes me so happy. I'm know. only I'm only medium on it, but I'm glad that you love it. It's one of those things where I I, I think I might have told you about this. Like I, it came out last Friday, so I was working Thursday night into Friday morning. So I take my lunch break at work at like four in the morning, you know. And I was sitting sure. there listening to it, and that first track, the "Welcome to the Nightmare" song, happened. And in the middle. Our man's yells the saw the words "Welcome to the Nightmare," and then a a breakdown happens. A mosh, a mosh breakdown happens right after, and it's real heavy. And there was a moment when I was sitting there, and it started, and I just was sitting by myself in a casino cafeteria at four in the morning, and I just said out loud to nobody, "Oh no," because I just imagined what the mosh was gonna look like, you know. And and then I don't know. Then it brought up a whole bunch of other. And then I was just thinking about that. anyway. Uh, welcome to episode one thirty hate one thirty section hate. And uh, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> I know, I know. It's a weird life right now, Liam. You understand, listeners. You understand, don't you? You know what I'm saying. Shit is fucking weird right now for your boy. I'm going through it. I'm going through it. No, but I hear you. I think- I've I've had a weird. I've had a weird week and a half myself. Not quite as weird as Josh because I'm not staying up overnight, but um, with between Maeve's daycare being shut down for COVID, right? And then us having to quarantine her till we got a test back. And then Suze's great aunt passed away. So we had to travel to the middle of the state for a funeral. And I just feel like I've just lost like a week and a half. Just It just went away. And now we're here. Mm-hmm. When we decided to record on this particular day, it felt like a million years away. Like, oh, I've got all this time till we yeah. record. And now it's here. And I'm like, what day is it? What's happening? I think I'm. <laughs> Where I think am I'm, I? What? I just feel like I, <laughs> I literally feel like I lost time. And it's not a fun feeling. I don't feel great about it. Mm. No. <laughs> right. Right. Now, I don't know if there's any time when you lose time when you feel great about it. Unless you're like grinding at your shit job and you're like oh that went quickly because everything sucks and then you just kind of go by like that's fine yeah i agree other than that any other wasted time inappropriate no it's not not my favorite and i've been i've been sort of binging a little bit here because you know with mave home is great like we've done a lot of fun stuff but i don't have a lot of free time so having to watch two movies for horror business, two movies for this episode, and then trying to squeeze in a Jackie Chan movie for Friday for the next episode of uh, We Do Our Own Stunts. I just feel like I'm doing a lot of like compulsory, I need to watch this watching, and a lot less like, let's have fun and enjoy something watching. Although I will say, one of our two movies today was very enjoyable. Was quite a joy. Yes, indeed. 
So this is our official Cynthia Rothrock episode. Now, we're not covering her whole career. And, you know, I think eventually this is this is one of the places where we're dipping our toe in, where I think we would be willing to come back to these waters. But this is our first chance. Now, uh, we're covering two movies, and we, I think, intentionally picked one of her less available Hong Kong films, Yes, Madam, mm -hmm. and then one yep. of her... her uh, very available because they're on Amazon Prime American films. Which American is, film. Which is, what is this one called again? Sworn to Justice. The, here's the thing about her American films. They're all titled like every direct DVD or direct to VHS action film at the at the video store. So I can't remember. It. Like if you told me Sworn to Justice was actually um, – like an American Ninja movie or like a fucking lesser known uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they're all. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, sure. I yeah, know I, exactly what we're in for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He does a split. Yeah, I've seen that movie. You know what I mean? Like, but, uh, but it, you know, that's sort of the thing you're dealing with here with uh, her career is that it seems to be split into two halves. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But before we do that, we want to thank you the listener for listening and our supporters on patreon for bringing this episode to your ears yay you guys make the world work for us we appreciate you so much 100%. now we started getting feedback because um i actually did start sending out the coffee which is good because i paid for it so i started sending out the <laughs> coffee to the patreon people i have this huge box of coffee uh if you haven't gotten coffee it might be because you're one of the last seven people that i haven't gotten to yet or because you didn't put your address on patreon so if you are on patreon and you support us on patreon please Add your address. I will send you a bag of coffee. And if you want a T-shirt, we got some T-shirts. If you want other stuff, I can hook you up. I want to do that for you. Um, uh, if you don't want that, that's fine, too. There are a number of people who support us who are like, I don't need the extras. I just want to support the network. That's great. I love you. You're amazing. But we do have a giant box of coffee. So I'm cool with sending people coffee. That's fine. <coughs> um. And, you know, if we have leftover coffee and I have to drink it, that's great. I'm totally fine. <laughs> also not a problem. Also yeah, cool I, with that. I'm also fine to finish off this coffee. But I just want to be clear that, uh, you know, you don't have to be a martyr on this one. If you don't want to put your address <laughs> on the Patreon, you want to email us, you can email us at cinepunks at gmail.com. And if you're sitting here curious, like, well, how do I get all this free swag and, and bonus content there's not a lot of bonus content but we're gonna make more i promise we're, it's gonna happen you're gonna want to go to patreon.com backslash cinepunks there's everything you need to know is there we have levels ranging from one dollar to twenty dollars a month uh whatever you're comfortable with uh and we just appreciate all of you for supporting us and just being amazing so yeah that's patreon Yay. who else do we have to thank well, for this here's episode? the other thing though liam of the beautiful gifts that you have financed to send to our wonderful patrons uh -huh. on patreon from whence does this coffee hail sir Oh, good, good segue. This is our <laughs> signature blend that we put out with our friends at Essex Coffee Roasters. Uh, look, Aaron Dahlbeck, you know his bands, right? You obviously know Converge and Bane and Be Well. Well, my mm -hmm. man has you started. Might have heard of another band he was in called Motley Crue. Stop it. What? Was Go he... on. Stop. Uh, <laughs> 
He did also play, I think, a couple ten yard fight shows. If that's your, if that's your deal. Anyways, yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, Motley Crew. What did you think I was talking? About? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so he started this coffee company, you know, out of his own passion for coffee and his questing for good coffee while on tour. And the goal of, the, of Essex is really to dis- demystify great coffee. Um, he wants to get you the freshest possible beans. So he roasts the order. Your order comes in. He roasts the beans. Uh, he's got uh, single origin. He's got blends. He's got all this stuff. Uh, he sends it to your house. He's also got tea. He's also got merch. You want to check it out. It's awesome. Uh, you go to sxcoffeeroasters.com. And the most important part of this is we have a discount. You go to SX Coffee Roasters. You order your coffee. You order your tea. You order your hoodie. Whatever it is. On your way out, you put in C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X in the discount code. You're getting 10% off. Boom. 10% welcome. off. You you're are welcome. welcome. You're welcome. Tell them Cinepunks sent you, but you will be telling them that by putting Cinepunks in your coupon code on the checkout. That's what you did. Thank you. I like this did little character. I like this little character that you're doing. <laughs> did good. you do that? Did, did you put Cinepunks in the checkout? <laughs> well, I didn't have to for this particular thing. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Yeah, and and thanks thanks to everybody who who bought the Cinepunks blend. I've gotten a lot of people actually who've asked, "When are we bringing it back?" We will be bringing it back. Um, uh, sales were not huge on it, but uh, the reality is we love Aaron. Aaron loves us, so we want to bring it back. And honestly, I've had a lot of interest post. The thing, and this is how it goes, right? No one really notices yeah. until other people have it, and they're posting about how good it is. And oh yeah, I, I want to try that. Well, it's like yeah, we know, we know that <laughs> so it takes a while to catch on to what's going on in the world. That's fine. We're gonna we're gonna bring it back. Um, I just need to work out with Aaron when exactly we're gonna do that, and we'll have it for you. So keep an eye out. Uh, anyways, head on over to essexcoffeeroasters.com. Josh, who else do we have to thank for this episode? Funny you should mention Liam. I was thinking to myself, you know. If I were a resident of the great Lehigh Valley and I were to need promotions for my band, my podcast, my, uh, I don't know, club, my breakfast club that doesn't exist, or maybe, uh, I don't know, some type of just thing that I like to announce to the world, where would I go, Liam? You know where I'd go? To the premier screen printing outfit of the Lehigh Valley, the LVAC. XLVACX.com. Boom. Look at that. The, Promo, the, baby. the team over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations want to help you print whatever it is you need. T-shirt. That's Sweatpants. Also sweatshirt. Yep. Jacket. Bandana. Wrestling stuff. Wrestling stuff. Weird Knee wrestling pad. shit. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh-huh. They do embroidery. We're, we're getting dad hats <laughs> embroidered for rough cut there. We're getting those cheddar goblin hats embroidered. That shit's going to be sick. Hit mm-hmm. them up. Just go to xlvacx.com. All we ask is that you mention that you heard about them from us because we just want Reject to know that we love him. We love his mm-hmm. team. We might mm-hmm. love the team mm-hmm. more than we love him. That's okay. I only know Reject, so I clearly <laughs> love him more than the team. That's so. true. That's true. Okay. It's cool. Anyways. I'm cool with it, though. I'm cool with it. All right. Let's keep it moving here. I'm ready to keep it moving. Right. We're going to do this. Right. Thing. Right. Yeah. I'm two cups in the, in the chamber right now, this beautiful coffee, and uh, I'm feeling all right. Feeling all right. You know what I'm saying? I guess you can tell that. I guess you can tell that. I'm you seem jacked up. You seem jacked up. Yeah, I'm normally not this high energy at 10 a.m. anymore because of, you know, I'm normally unconscious. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I am wide awake. But, you know. I I'm go sure you'll crash so, after this. Yeah, it's, I got to. Anyway, 
So, Liam, what have you done in the past week and a half that is both whack or on track? I like that we didn't even try to do the lineup here. I'm just going to do it on my own. No, no. Whack and on track. On track. Yes. All right. I did it. Um, Okay. So I want to bring up a movie I think you watch. I think you might even brought this up on our last episode. Uh, I saw Pig. I watched Pig. Okay. Did you watch Pig? Yes, I did. Bro, this movie is amazing. I fucking love it. It's fucking beautiful. I mean, look. I, I said this on horror business last night. I'm going to say it again today. Ignore the people making the John wick comparison. Yes. It's about a guy who is short an animal and wants to, you know, get his, the, there's an animal involved other than the animal. There is no the DNA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's it's no DNA between this movie and John wick. This is a, at one point my man makes a meal so delicious. It breaks a man. That's the most violent mm-hmm. thing. I mean, other than him getting – that Nick Cage getting beat up because he's an old, sad chef. Uh, other than him getting sort of beat up in the dark, this is not – there's no action. He makes food. He he grunts. Yeah. He's he's mm-hmm. unhappy, you know, and he mourns. And that's really the 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 central DNA between this is John Wick is mourning, right? But in John right. Wick, it's easy. John Wick just breaks open the floor, gets his guns out, becomes Baba Yaga. He doesn't have to mourn anymore, which, by the way, yeah. is – Kind of shitty. It's kind of a shitty way to wrap that story up, but whatever. That uh, said, it's a dope movie. But we're not talking yeah. about a dope movie called John Wick right now. What are no. we talking about, Liam? Yeah. Pig. And the thing about Pig is Pig is not about wrapping up mourning. It's about no. living with mourning and loss. And it is – it's upsetting in the best possible it's way. It's about living with mourning and loss through the channels of artistic expression. Yes, yes. And it's a movie that takes seriously cooking. And I've said this before, and I want to say it here. Um, I get – me and Josh have been known to treat food like a game, to treat food uh-huh. like a like a uh, like a challenge or a dare. Uh-huh. You know, like we, uh-huh. we definitely I wouldn't say we have the most healthy relationship with food all the time. But I think at our heart, we also both think that food can be an art form. And if you've never yeah. had a meal that made you think that the person who cooked it for you was a fucking artist, then like save up your money and go somewhere where people are are claiming the food is an art because you need to have that. I mean, everyone, I, you don't have to live off of that food. Like I'm fine with a fucking bowl of magic spoon and that's fine. That's not a bad <laughs> that's not a bad meal per se. And I'm not going to judge anyone who wants to just rock a bowl of cereal when they are tired or high or whatever. But sometimes food is fucking magic. It's it is it's it's goddamn magic. Can I can I return your attention, Liam? Yes. To a little roast that my man Liam O'Donnell made for me mm-hmm. when we were at the Thrilla in Bushkilla. True. And he used true. a good balsamic on there. Dog, I think about that shit like maybe once every two weeks. I mean, and how good it was. I mean, it that was, was so good. That it was, was so good. That was me like treating food like Jackson Pollock. Because if you wanted me to recreate that dish for you today, I couldn't fucking do it. I don't remember what I did. I couldn't like come up with a single fucking thing I did at the time. It's all gone now. But in the moment, it I was, was inspired and it turned. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, y'all. But that was the best roast I've ever made in my goddamn life. And it was it was was it not amazing, man? Was it not the kind of thing that you think about now? Because I think about it now and I'm like, yeah, Liam. Artiste. I think it was Artiste. the only part of the meal that really was great too. The rest of it was fine, but that fucking yeah, I no, killed that, that roast. roast. Yeah, unmotherfucking believable. You had garlic in there. It was great. It yeah. was great, man. It was so, great. And the thrilling bush killer 
wasn't the greatest. Wasn't the greatest. <laughs> but it wasn't good. I mean, you know, whatever. We don't. We don't got to. We don't got to get into that right now. Here's yeah. Here's, that's not a thing. Here's here's Sorry. what here's what I want to focus on is that pig is about human experience, but it's also about cooking. And what it does is remind you that yes, there is a certain elitist bullshit aspect to the food scene art. Yeah. And I want to affirm that, but that's true of all art. The, the, this, when I hear people reject art as a whole, because they're frustrated by class concerns, they're frustrated by class elitism. They're frustrated by the pretension of the rich. Don't let the fucking privileged classes ruin everything for you because they will. If you let them, you won't be able to have any fun in life because the rich will take all good things away from you and make them difficult for you to enjoy. <laughs> but don't let that happen. Food is sometimes expensive because it's worth that much money. But sometimes, yes, you're being charged for status. That's that's real. And, and it's hard to navigate, but find the voices in your area who can help you navigate that, who can tell you this thing is worth the money because it is magic. This thing mm -hmm. is a fucking pretend, you know, uh, but not that's to toot my own horn. I yeah. definitely think if you guys need some insight on that kind of thing in either Philadelphia, Pennsylvania or Honolulu, Hawaii, yeah. I'll let your boy. Cause I got, yeah, you. I, got, I, got you. You. Yeah, I feel that hundred percent got you. Anyways. I'd even throw Molokai in there. I throw Molokai. If you need a place to eat when you're in Molokai, dog. Big up. I got you. Anyways, Thanks. I just think the movie really managed to, in some ways, be about food and the food industry without that being what the movie's about. Like, the movie is about yeah. people, but the context, it's unafraid to, like, really roast that context and really see, like, what is the, what are the things that forced our main character to retreat to the woods and have a pig, mm -hmm. you know? And Anyways. Here's, here's the thing. So, this, it's funny because I brought this up the last time I discussed this, and I actually had a discussion about it last night with friend of the podcast, Mr. Dan Scully and Jenna, Dan's, uh, Dan's GF. And um, the discussion, as I bring it up again, I wonder if it bothered you that the pig did not get a casting credit. There was no Harriet dot, 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 herself. Or like, you know, a name for the pig. Does I'm going to say no. It didn't bother It didn't bum you out. I brought no. it up with Jenna yesterday. They both are like, yeah, that did strike us as weird. Why the fuck wouldn't you name Pig? Like, the, the only reason I'm going to say no is because um, in reality, the Pig's not in the movie very much. The yeah, Pig, the pig is just in the montage at the beginning, and then it's gone. It doesn't do much. It's not present much. In fact, the Pig doesn't matter. The pig is just a symbol of him trying to maintain connection and trying to care about something in a world of pain. And so, like, while the pig is the focus, the pig is not the focus. The pig is in some ways a MacGuffin. And it 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 is not – the pig himself doesn't really matter. In fact, I don't want to spoil it. This is a new movie. I don't want to spoil it. Mm. But there's a reveal towards the end of the movie that makes it clear the pig is not the point. As much as the pig is the point, um, and I, I the don't reveal wanna... is that the, the phone calls from the pig are coming from inside the building. <laughs> it's a wild moment. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going with my whacking on track. Um, all right, all right. 
we kind of mentioned this before, but I want to circle back to it. All the new turnstile stuff is really good. It is so good. Even oh the even the slow. I've heard a lot of people shitting on the slow song. They released a single from the album because the album's coming out soon. Uh, the EP, which is songs from the album. The album's coming out soon. They released another song from the album. It's really slow. It features uh, my man from Blood Orange on it. And I've seen a lot of people complaining about it. Uh, and uh, those folks can all get fucked because it's great. And <laughs> I can't wait till the record comes out. I mean, you know, is it possible the record could still be disappointing? Yes. I'm not I'm not trying to claim it's going to be great. But I suspect it will be great. I'm really, I'm really into it. I'm really, really into it. Um, a few other things I've been rocking with lately uh, that we uh, have mentioned, but I haven't really focused on. Obviously, the new uh, Canala Reel is really good. Mm, so um, good. I've I'm been getting not sat listening to it since he told me about it. Yeah, I've been getting back into the porky, the new Porcupine EP. Uh, mm. That I went to a show. Oh, that's what I should highlight. I went to a show. Friend of the show. Uh, Nick from New Morality Zine, he helped one of the bands on his label is uh, Sidios Quere, and uh, they had were trying to get a show off the ground as sort of their, honestly, their first show, because basically what happened was they were ready to play their first show right when the pandemic started, mm-hmm. and so they've just been on, like, hiatus, basically, you know what I mean? Like, Man. they just have, like, not been playing anything. Same um, thing happened to Bitter Branches. Bitter Branches is all set to play their first show. And then pandemic hit, and they still have yet to play their first show. And they've already been booked on Fest. Like, they've been booked on all these, like, huge, high-profile things. Yeah. And still have yet to play a first show. It's still hilarious. So let me really run through this show for you guys. Uh, there was a a very weird project called X Will Mark the Spot. That's some sort of, like, aggressive dance music. It was not for me, but they did play a Boy Harsher cover. That was fun. Oh, wow. It's a deep then, hole right there. I, I know the dude was, it was a weird, it was a weird thing, especially cause it's a young kid, but he, live, he didn't want to play solo. He didn't want it to just be him and a drum machine. So he, uh-huh. he got a drummer and a bass player and the drummer, and the bass player were like old metal heads. You know, they're like metal heads in their 40s playing drum and bass for this dude and his and his keyboard. And this dude is like maybe 20, 21, you know, nice. it was weird. It was a weird scene. It was it was a weird thing. Then uh, a band played from Chicago called Payasa. Uh, I don't know how to describe this music to you, Josh, other than like, uh, I mean, the word means clown, right? Yes. And there's a bunch of clowns, a clown? bunch of clowns on the cover. They have a female okay. lead singer. Uh, I'm trying to describe this vibe for you. Imagine kids who were brought up, like from a young age, brought up on new metal, right? Uh-huh. And then those kids discover crass. Whoa. And they start writing songs influenced by crass and other punk stuff. And then they decide they really like mosh breakdowns. And then they squish that all together into a band. And that's what Payasa is. It's like literally like, uh, you know, get the fuck up moments into like weird drum beat, like crash drum beat stuff. And then a mosh part. And all the songs are like super political and, uh, about like, uh, the Latinx experience or feminism or other stuff. It's crazy. All of this dude. sounds lovely. All of this sounds amazing. It's fucking weird. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's really weird, but it's, it's great. Uh, and then, as I said, uh, Cidios Chiari, which I think I'm saying, right. I might not be, uh, 
kids from the south side of Chicago, Latinx kids, I'm saying Latinx, straight up Mexican kids from the south side of Chicago who love terror. That's basically what CDO's key wow. is. Uh, I'll say the recording, they have a three song EP out on numerality. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and Nick is really like fronted for these dudes. Um, it's pretty good. I'll straight up say if you've listened to that three song EP and, and we're like, eh, it's okay. It's not my favorite. Live is a million times better. Like I, like I know people yeah. say that, but like live was way better and they played new songs and the new songs are still terror influence, but with more of the thrash terror, you know, those, those times mm-hmm. when terror dips into like the thrash bucket a little bit, that's what their mm-hmm. new stuff sounds like. It was fucking sick. I was like, I went in being like, Oh, this band's okay. And after seeing them live was like, this band fucking kills. Like they're really, really good. Then a band that's from awesome. a band from Texas played called ozone. Oh, that band rules. Oh, you've heard it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I follow New Morality now because of uh, yeah. He's Your Friend. Yeah, man. And, he's um, he's really just, cool. Whatever that – here's the thing. Like the things that I follow now on Twitter because of you specifically are like that and Brooklyn Vegan. And uh, for me, I follow The Quietist. So like those are like the three things yeah. that I look to for like subversive music and music that's new to me. So I mean, those are those uh, are my those are my three things too. And then a little bit of No Echo. Although you know, I love oh yeah, I love, No Echo too. I love No Echo. They have a much broader taste than me. Occasionally, they hype stuff, and I'm like, no, thank you. But they also put me on to stuff that I'm like, oh, this is sick. So, anyways, Ozone. They they were the first. They put out the Crosskeys video. The yeah, premiered yeah. on No Echo. Yeah. So anyway, okay, let's talk about this ozone band. If you had to imagine just from listening to the record what th- these folks looked like or were like, what would you say? I would say skinny white boys in camo shorts. Uh, you're you're very close. Definitely white boys, like running sneakers. Yeah, definitely white boys. Definitely camo shorts. Definitely big fat dudes in their late thirties. No, yeah, really? these are these are men's. These are these are these are <laughs> dude, at least one young as fuck on that demo, dude. At, at least one of the mans in the bands might be older than me. I feel like, uh, or maybe Amazing. they just maybe they just look rough. To me, they looked like men's. They looked like straight up men's. And I was like, okay, men's, okay, older men's playing playing. Y'all, to, for those of you who haven't heard it, Ozone is like that. It, 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 tell me if I'm right about this. They kind of occupy that zone where like youth crew bands were trying to figure out how to write bouncy, heavy hardcore. You know what I yeah, mean? Like they, sure. they have it's like a foot in both graves kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's youthy parts. Like, there's super touchy parts. There's like burn parts. Mm-hmm. But then there's also snapcase harmonics at times. It's like really yeah. fucking good. It's really good. It's very complex for that kind of hardcore for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't going to mosh, and then I moshed for them because it was sick. Man. You I definitely that moshed. Moment, I've, had, I've had a discussion with uh, with friend of the show and former Stackhouse crew, Trot Crew Fuck You uh, member Rick Damranke, former sure. bandmate from Only Glory, Super sure. Group Only Glory. Sure. And uh, he was like, yeah, I think my mosh days are done. And uh, it made me infinitely sad. I'm like, Rick, what are you talking about? Like, dude, this is how we communicate with each other. And uh, it was like one of those like things where me and Rick, like we've been in a band together. We've been to a thousand shows together. He's always been like a good homie to me and we've moshed together forever. Right. Like that's like just in the pit with Rick. Like, that's what it is. And him admitting that we might be old or at least too old to mosh. Like it made me sad. And then I had a moment of mourning and I was like, am I done? Is my sweet mosh style finished? And then I was like, well, I guess I am old. 
I mean, my feet do hurt, you know? So I, mean, I don't know I, if I'm done. How'd you feel? Did you feel good? Were, were I will, you okay no, I did. I did. I mean, my foot still hurts from that brief mosh. Oh no. My foot is still bruised from that little bit <laughs> of mosh. Uh, <laughs> so oh man. All right. We should, we, we, this is taking a long time. We should keep going here. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to. No, I, it's not you. I'm like getting really into it. And I'm like, I don't know if this is interesting for people. The, the last band was Porcupine. If you haven't heard Porcupine yet, they're a weird, they're a weird mashup of like, uh, basement like crust punk crust. with like yeah, metal core metal. yeah 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 exactly it's like it's like dudes who are like i like tragedy and i like converge let's smush them together yeah. uh it's haunting but it doesn't it doesn't delineate into like mcgruber grind like right there's no like there's no like grindy parts yeah it'll literally it, go but- it'll go from a d beat into straight mosh uh or like yeah. medley parts it's it's really good i will say it's it was funny seeing them live because i pictured them as weirdos and they're basically three normal looking dudes and a metal drummer, which I guess should be not a surprise. But it was like, oh, mm-hmm. these guys look like total total norms. And then the drummer's like a long hair guy in a power trip shirt, you know. Or I'm sorry, a, na- <laughs> a nail shirt. But you know what I mean? Like okay. Okay. it was like yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. They were great. I was not sure if they would be able to reproduce the intensity of the EP live. And they were. Mm. It was unbelievable. Even the melodic song, which is still haunting and weird, but the melodic song mm. from the EP, it killed live. It was unbelievable. So yeah. No that band's, that band's yeah. great. Who put yeah. them out? Isn't that another friend band? The, that, like Numerality Zine. That whole show oh, is a Numerality Zine show, basically. Like, between the two of them. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sick. here's the thing about Nick. He doesn't put out a lot of sh- local Chicago stuff. Really, the only Chicago bands he's done are Porcupine, Buggin, who's also done stuff on Flat Spot, and Si Dios Quiere. I think everyone else on the label is from somewhere else far away. Uh, yeah, he did Sunstroke, friend of the show. Uh, yep, Sean. Yep, so yep. He put the Sunstroke EP out. And, and I would, did he if, do the LP too? Uh, yeah, I think so, actually. I think so. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I know that he's doing stuff with them in the future, too, like a split they're mm-hmm. doing or something like that. So anyways, nice. here's the deal. Check out Numerality Zine. Website's great. Uh, his 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 selection is great. He really is all over the place. Like uh, he did that end of sanity band that kind of sounds like hate breed, and he did curse mm-hmm. the knife, which is basically like shoegaze stuff. Like he really is just invested in putting out what he likes, and what he likes is a pretty broad variety. I would also personally, I'm a big fan of that GI Bill project, which is like a one man project that kind of sounds like fiddlehead uh mm. it's really fucking good if 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 y'all are into that sort of uh fiddlehead slash title fight sound i think gi mm. bill is really really sick so um yeah i recommend that anyways uh the other thing i wanted to mention just very very quickly uh i've been getting into uh the college humor uh channel so you guys remember that website college humor they have a channel called dropout where they host a bunch of their shows um and some exclusively uh and the show i've been getting into a lot on there is dimension 20 they have some others on there that are pretty funny they have a show called game changer in which it's like a game show but no one knows the rules and it's like when you figure out the rules you win the show uh, and then there's they have another <laughs> show called uh, Um Actually, where you just the the host says stuff that's wrong, and you have to um actually him and explain why he's <laughs> wrong about it. Uh, but the show on there I've been into is Dimension Twenty, which is their D and D show. And I was talking to Josh about this. I want to talk about it on the show. When I was in college, College Humor, the website 
was the D-bag. It was basically yeah. what Barstool Sports is now. It was like the yeah, home yeah, of yeah. D-bag humor, right? It's, it was That was your experience too, it right? It was like just very like, you know, cishet male like humor. And it's just annoying. You know what I mean? It was like one of those like bro frat party joke things. Oh, yeah, totally. If, I, if memory serves, yeah. And so I don't know when this happened, but at some point the nerds took over the asylum and everything now on there is like diverse and a lot of like <laughs> queer material and everything is nerdy. I mean, this Dimension 20 show has been running for a long time and it's huge, dude. Like like millions of people watch this D&D show where people play <laughs> D&D. That's what happens. It's a show where funny people play D&D and it's killer it's so fucking funny man i really didn't expect it to be that funny but it really is there's a moment that i keep reposting where uh the so brennan uh what is his last name i don't remember his last name but there's a guy who is often the the uh, dungeon master he isn't on the latest season but uh he's often the dungeon master he's trying to encourage a character right but the character that he's playing is like super gross he's like a he's like a fantasy drug dealer you know and so he's trying to tell this person that their anxiety is not them that just because they have anxiety attacks it's not who they are so he's describing blowing a guy for drugs who has genital warts and he's saying, like, that man wasn't, de- wasn't defined by his genital warts. He wouldn't say he is genital warts. He just has genital warts. And he's trying to say it to this in-game, right? It's an encouraging <laughs> moment. But as an audience member, you're fucking losing it because he's saying it very sincerely. And, like, he's not telling, saying something funny. And, of course, everyone around the table is fucking losing their minds. And it's like, that's how the show works is that, like, it, you know, you're in the game, serious things are happening, but as a player, you could make it as goofy and fun as you want. And that's what the show is. So, uh, now I don't, for people wondering, I don't have a history with D and D I've never played it. And not just D and D. That's the funniest part about this story that you've never played. I've never played any role-playing game (laughs) ever. It's just not something I've ever been into, but I find these, uh, I really like the Adventure Zone podcast. I like now this Dementia 20 show. I'm getting into role-playing by watching other people role-play, which is weird. It seems weird, so but I'm kind of into yeah. it. I mean, granted, these people are professionally funny, so that probably helps. Uh, if it was just me and some friends, would I have as much fun? I don't know, but I might try it sometime just because I'm cu- I'm now nerd curious. I wouldn't say <laughs> I'm, I'm into role-playing, but I'm like role-play curious. You know what I mean? Man, OGs know about graphing paper and dungeon crawls, so, you know, we're down. I get it. So I'm funny. All right, Josh, you go ahead. I'm done. What What do you got that's whacking on track? Uh, on track. I saw Suicide Squad last night. The Suicide Squad with a friend of the show and the editor All Star and Barbara to the Stars in Bristol, Paul Sharkey, and uh, we recorded episode two of the new show Showtime with Sharkey and Josh with uh, Melanie as uh, the director of photography and backup phone lady in the backseat of the 96 Caddy. But uh, just for the record, I want to give my little review for The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn. Um, here's the thing, man. Like, what do you think about First Suicide Squad? Terrible. Whack, it had, right? It, like, it, not so good. Oh, let's be clear. It had the bones in it of what could right. have been a good movie. And I 
there are people who think that it was the studio and there are people who think that it was the director, but something went fucking wrong. And so it's right. a tonal, Agreed. it's both a tonal mess and a waste of some very good characters as well as having some terrible, like <clears throat> I love Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think she's actually yeah. fucking brilliant. And I think the Harley Quinn movie is unbelievably good. And in Suicide Birds Squad. Of Prey, not a Harley Quinn standalone. That's she true. made that clear that she is refusing to do a standalone Harley Quinn movie. I like that. I like that. But yeah, yeah the, Birds of, the Birds of Prey movie is really good. And I think she's really good in it. And yet I don't give a fuck about suicide. Like there were lots of elements of Suicide Squad that I think could have worked. But the movie as a whole is a waste of fucking time that doesn't emotionally or or it doesn't interest me at any moment throughout. It's the moment. Is, the problem is narratively, it makes no sense. Right. Like you have this loop of a story that if you just didn't do the one thing, then the whole story wouldn't happen. Kind, Which, OK, that's fair criticism. Now, the Suicide Squad, because the first one's just called Suicide Squad. This one's called the Suicide Squad. Um, I'm hazard to say that it probably fixes all of those problems because it is a blast. James Gunn directing and he's on fire. And this movie pulls no punches. It is gory to the T like, you know how the first suicide squad is like, it's a, it's a comic book movie at yeah. long last. Right. It's in this movie, there's a character that gets totally ripped in half, ripped in half. And uh, there's wow. a lot of head exploding. There's a lot of blood and guts. Like Kaufman makes so, his appearance. So they let, they let James Gunn do whatever he fucking wanted. Holy Moses. Did they? And he did. It. He did whatever the fuck that guy wants. There's a dick in this movie. There is male yeah, full frontal nudity in this movie. There is head exploding in this movie. Did I mention the head exploding? And there's like, it's a fucking time. There, see, here's the thing. And again, you'll be able to watch my live review on Showtime with Sharky and Josh once that is finished being edited and all the all the other good, beautiful magic that uh, that Sharky does, which is way beyond me, by the way. Um, yeah, dude, let's let's be let's be clear to the audience here. Sharky has become one of the backbones of the whole network. So thank you so much yeah, for being dude. amazing. <laughs> In addition to being an awesome dude to watch movies with, because my man rules. Like I love talking to Sharky about movies, which is what's making that show super fun to do. But dude, this movie. So like, and it's funny because like, okay, so yesterday we we went to the movie at seven p.m. For the screen, right? And Sharky had revealed that he was having like a terrible day. He was just having a bad day. And by the end of the movie, which is a two hour and 15 minute runtime, by the way, at the end of it, he was like, yo, I feel great. And I was like, yo, that's what like the magic of the summer blockbuster should be. You're not in here to turn that brain on. You're in here to watch a shark man eat people, chew on heads, because he does. And it's, it's, dude. And also, can we talk a little bit about my newfound action hero john felix anthony cena jr otherwise known as john cena why because they let him be funny in this because he's a fucking waste dude, of space in f9 they, not only did they let him be funny in this but dude he takes it to somewhere dark oh <laughs> i love that so effective oh my god it's so good he plays a character named peacemaker and his whole thing is that like he loves peace that he's willing to kill children to get it and it's, dude, it's dark. It's dark, but my goodness, what a character. And it's just super, it's in there. Also, Taika Waititi is in here. Um, Nathan Fillion's in here. Um, 
the dude from King of Staten Island. What's that guy's name? He's in there. There's so many character like actors in here that you're like, holy Moses, like this is a wild cast. But that Idris Elba's in there. Now, ever since we discovered that Idris Elba is like a DJ on his off time when he's not being the most handsome man in Hollywood, I think that that's the only thing I could think of. I can only think of him in a fuzzy bucket hat from Kangol, like making like hands go up like a DJ. That's all I can think of. I know. It's wrong. It's incorrect. He's great in this movie. But um, yeah, I, this movie is 100% fun. It's 100% the popcorn muncher, like end of summer, like dog days of summer kind of movie that you go with your homies to like a day screening of, you know what I mean? Like that kind of movie. Yeah, this I'm is feeling you. It is 100% a blast. I loved it so much. Um, it's one of those movies I can easily return to when I'm needing like some type of carbohydrate movie, like filler, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of flavor, just enough substance to keep you there. But that's not what you're there for. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the perfect car. Summertime movie. So I saw that on track. I also watched the Woodstock 99 documentary. Have you seen this? I have not. Do you remember the events of Woodstock 99? Yeah, that it was terrible. And it was, like, gross. And yeah. people were gross with it. And it was gross. And then they set it on fire. And let me tell you something, that documentary is harrowing. Can I tell you? Harrowing. I remember Woodstock 99, I was in college at the time, and I was uh, I was doing the summer RA position. So I was, like, living on campus during the summer months, you know? So I just remember, like, I had to be on duty and stuff. So I watched, like, the Woodstock shit on MTV while it was happening. And it was terrifying on MTV. And I remember being like, wow, that looks like not fun at all. But then watching this documentary, you realize how predatory that situation was and how fucked up it was and how it was all just like this horrific, like backwards hat frat boy party that was like on a tarmac of an abandoned airfield. Whew, terrible. Fucking awful. I mean, the documentary is pretty cool. Like I would have preferred a little bit more like diverse voices going on in there because, you know, they only pretty much interview white people. And but uh, there's one the that's one interviewed on there. The one criticism I heard is that the the movie made it more about the 90s in a meta way and less about the organizers being shitty criminals. Dude, the organizer that's in it just keeps talking and every single thing that he says, you're like, are you the worst person on earth? Yeah. Are you yeah. horrible? Yeah. And I think the answer to that is just collectively, yeah. Yeah. That shit's yeah, horrible. Yeah. There's one nascent point that one of the talking heads makes in the movie, though, that I feel is so resonant. And it's that nobody asked for Woodstock 94 or 99. It's just the hanging on of baby boomers to a past glory that they hope to uphold and lord over newer generations. And they until like the all of them are gone, we're always going to have this weird like discussion about how Woodstock in 69 was like, oh, it was such a beautiful thing, man. Peace, love, and harmony. But it's like, no, man, like that shit was fucked up too. And this shit was fucked up. And someone died and like people got raped. It was fucked up, man. Like that shit yeah. sounds horrible. It was. I'm so happy that that is nothing of our experience. Um, and no, I don't want to know anything about it. Like anyone that I was watched, there, I'm I sorry. Think I, I think I watched 94 on TV. Like I think I saw part. I just of remember Green Day on there and them throwing trash or mud at people. And it's like, all right, that's kind of. Funny. But like, whatever. But anyway, yeah, yeah. The Woodstock 99 doc. It's harrowing. It's it's an awful watch, but it's also worth it. So I would suggest watching that as well. As far as music goes, the EP, the Mutts Nuts, 
by Chubby and the Gang came out. And oh, I, I forgot. I fucking forgot. Yeah. It's so good. It's a departure from Speed Kills, but it's so cool. I love it so much. Is there going to be a longer full length, or is that it? Is that what it was? No, there's got to be something event. I, I don't. I don't actually know, but I'm hoping it's there's a so longer. Good, full right? Yeah. Oh my god, dude! That first track on there is so good. I love that Chubby Band. Thank you so much for introducing me to them, Liam. They're one of my favorite bands currently, and uh, I have you to thank I, for that. I, I need them. Really, I need, really love. Them. I need them and the Chisel to come to the states on tour. Like that to me, that's like a perfect tour. Like I want, and they could bring other British bands. Like if Big Cheese wants to come, or Mastermind, mm. or Stiff Meds. There's a lot of British bands that are all friends with each other that I could see coming through. But th- what I need absolutely fucking need is fucking the chisel and chubby and the gang to come together because that is a perfect night right there. Mm, totally. I'm down to see that. That shit is awesome. I've also been bumping this new record called heavy is the head by MC's ransom and big ghost limited. Do you know about this record? No, no idea. I don't know anything about it either. I just found it on just like searching for new hip hop. And it's exactly the kind of hip hop that I like, which is brand new, but sounds like it's old. So um, check it out. It's It's got a weird like uh, uh, Game of Thrones theme going through it, but it okay. is gangster as fuck and it's super good. So, um, you know, we haven't we it's haven't called- done a co-playlist in a while. It's probably time for us to do one where we split oh, it's it up always like, time for us to do one. like yeah. 15 songs each or whatever. Uh, always yeah. a good time. Always a good time. I love doing that with you. That's always like one of my favorite Cinepunks activities. Because now that I know you can create covers on Spotify playlists, like change the cover image, I'm all about it. It's yeah, I'll let you do that because I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yay. I love doing it. All right. So that's what I got. The Big Ransom, big, or the Ransom Big Limited Record, Heavy as the Head, Chubby and the Gang, The Mutts Nuts, and um, Su- The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, and, and the um, Woodstock 99 doc. That's mm. what I got. Awesome. I'm into all of that. Uh, Y'all, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about one amazing and one maybe not so amazing Cynthia Rothrock movie. Uh, And hopefully just our excitement to watch more of her films now that we have access to a bunch of them. Uh, But yeah, we'll be right back.
And we're back. We're here to talk about two Cynthia Rothrock movies. Rothrock. Rothrock. <laughs> we're talking about uh, Sworn to Justice and Yes, Madame. Now, Yes, Madame is one of the directed in Asia movies, right? Starring Michelle Yeoh. And uh, directed by Sworn to Justice. Oh, directed yeah, by Sui Hark, right? Who dir- Wait, no, it wasn't Sui Hark. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to let me bring it up right now. Yeah, let's do that. Sworn let's do that. To justice. Sworn to Justice was directed by um, Paul Maslach, who I don't know. But I think. Well, let's start, um, let's start ready with. Uh, let's start with. Yes, Madam was directed by Corey Yin who people may know from a variety of movies, uh, such as Redcliffe or um, The Transporter. (laughs) (laughs) Or um, let me look down. Uh, Writing Wrongs is another um, Cynthia Rothrock movie that he directed. Uh, In the Blood, Game of Death 2, let me see what's a little more. Last Blood, The Gambling, The Raid, not The Raid you're thinking of. Uh, mm. Yeah, High Risk. A few things. Oh, The Collector. Oh, you know what? I'm such a jerk. Hey, guys, I apologize. I was naming movies that Yoon acted in. <laughs> My bad. I didn't realize he acted as well as directed. Mm. Uh, so let's see here. Yeah, so he directed Yes, Madam, Righting Wrongs, In the Blood, Casino Raiders, All for the Winner, She Shoots Straight, uh, Ghost Punting. (laughs) Uh, I've not seen any of these movies. He did direct The Transporter, though. So that's sort of like one of his, it looks like his only U.S. one. Uh, DOA, Dead or Alive, I think is a U.S. release, too. Mm. He did do The Legend, The Defender. Um, and then, like I said, Writing Wrongs is another Cynthia Rothrock movie that I've been wanting to see. So we'll we'll have to do it the next time we do um, a Cynthia Rothrock episode. It's also known as Bad Egg. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, and then as we said, Sworn to Justice is directed by Paul Maslach, a name that I'm not particularly familiar with. Uh, let's see here produced a ton of stuff but let's look specifically oh only directed two things sworn to justice and doing a deal in india <laughs> a video short <laughs> about how to do a deal in india but he was a producer on a lot of stuff uh including the right temptation Castellito goodbye red sun rising so you know i guess he decided directing wasn't for him after sworn uh to justice which you know i gotta agree i gotta agree with that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he probably should that was a great instinct to follow it's wild let's, man let's focus that's funny though because yeah well i mean when we get to it i just want to say sworn to justice looks like an instructional video up oh, but go on oh man yeah yeah, yeah. so uh First off, let's talk about 1985's Yes, Madam. This is pretty early in Cynthia Rothrock's career, one of her uh, early sort of uh, named roles. Uh, and she is not the star of this movie, but she's definitely major co-star. It's it's her and Michelle yeah. Yeoh are really... Uh, now, granted, some of our side folks in the film, like... Uh, uh, 
John Sham as Strepsil or Hoi Mang as Aspirin or Hark Sui as Panadol. <laughs> These dudes also matter. It's very much a like a ensemble piece. You know what I mean? Like their their mm-hmm. side stories are as essential to what's going on as the main story of our detectives. But I think it's important to sh- say like this is really Michelle Yeoh's and Cynthia Rothrock's movie. This is their this is their narrative, I feel like. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, the 100% fair. I actually didn't realize that Panadol was uh who was Hart Sui. I didn't realize that till just until you mentioned it just now. I didn't even know what that guy looked like. Yeah, but he directed either. Once Upon a Time in China. He directed like a bunch of like amazing Jet Li movies. And uh yeah, love that director actually. He's one of my favorite Asian directors. Didn't know. Didn't know he acted in this movie. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh the two people who have uh I mean there's probably other people. We're we're not experts on Hong Kong cinema, so don't get me wrong. No, for sure. There's, there's probably lots of people in this movie that are important that we don't know. But for me, uh Oh, you know what, buddy? I think you have this is not the Sui. You're thinking of It is. It's the same picture. It is? Oh yeah, yeah once man. a time in China five. Oh yeah, wow. He I, also I, directed Black Mask. He directed Iron yeah, Monkey. Like yeah, yeah, all yeah. of those amazing movies. Yeah. So that uh, are like those. Yeah, those like new school uh, Wuxia movies. So it's worth that saying that him and then the other person I was going to say is uh, Sammo Hung. Him and Sammo oh, Hung yeah. have side roles in this movie. They clearly are there as cameo like that's an important cameo you know what i mean and yeah. uh and samuel hung is he's in it very briefly as their master he also that's an important cameo and he's it's important to say um samuel hung worked with cynthia rothrock a good deal if i've i've definitely spent time some of her hong kong movies are hard to find so i've watched her clips on YouTube of her fighting in different movies. And there's a bar fight she did with Samuel Hung. That's so fucking good. If you guys can find Samuel Hung, Cynthia Rothrock fight, it's really good. Uh, and this movie has amazing martial arts as well. But uh, I, when Samuel Hung was in it for two seconds, I was like, what a weird cameo. Like he just sort of shows up and then leaves, you know, it's, it's- uh, my other thought was fat dragon. Come on, bro. You ain't that fat. Come on, dog. Let's be a little bit nicer to ourselves there, Samo. <laughs> you ain't that big dog. You ain't no fat dragon, son. Let's I mean, talk. you want to talk real weight? Let's talk the biggest, smallest son. Yeah, yeah. That ain't no goddamn fat dragon. That's like at best medium plus, which I get it. Amongst his contemporaries, it's maybe bigger. Okay, sure. But come on, dog. I mean, that was his vibe, though. That's what he was known for. In a world of yeah. martial artists who were all ripped, Sammo Hung was always a little round. Uh, I don't think <laughs> until uh, – what was the show he had? Was that Martial Law? Oh, my God, yeah. On CBS? I don't think he was really that overweight till Martial Law. And Martial Law, he was like 45 years – you know what I mean? Like it's not like yeah. he was it's on like, Martial dog, Law. You, you made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he not, was young. He yeah, might have yeah, even yeah. been like in his fifties when martial law was at. I'm not sure. All, <laughs> all I know is that that was the first time. If you've been watching Samuel Hung, that really was when Samuel Hung was like. Again, not that I'm comfortable calling anyone just straight up that unless they want to own that term for themselves. He was self-applied the term. Yeah, he yeah. Was self-applied. So, but yeah. I, but that's the only time where I'm like he's fat. All these other movies, he's yeah. just not ripped. Like you know, I get it. <laughs> One of your friends is Jackie Chan, and that man is like you know an ironing board. So I get it. Mm-hmm. But like, also, you're not fat. You're just not ripped. You know, it's it's not the same thing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so let's talk about this movie. This is. Uh, 
a cop. This is like a very sort of standard cop drama, right? Where you've got um, a case of mistaken identity. You've got uh, thieves who are not big time criminals on the scene of a big time crime. You've got a lot of working of the relationship between Hong Kong and uh, Britain, you know, Scotland there's, there's, Yard. there's Scotland yeah. Yard connections going on. You've got police rivalry, right? Like when Cynthia Rothrock's mm-hmm. character shows up, her and Michelle Yeoh don't get along. There's immediately tension between them. Um, and, and you've got sort of like the trying to find, there's all this like, uh, like it, it really alternates between serious drama and humor and slapstick funny like yeah. actual physical comedy yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, i yeah. think that combo is fucking gold the fact that like yeah. the funny parts are actually funny and then the martial arts are actually kick ass and it's not just it this movie like a lot of these hong kong movies culminates in a totally insane fight scene that had to be choreographed over like a month or something. Like it's unbelievable. This final fight, but the whole movie has kick-ass fighting. It's not like it's boring until the fight. The movie is Mm -hmm. exciting and funny, which, you know, I mean, not that you don't have examples of that in cinema, you know, maybe like for you, that's like lethal weapon or something like that. You know, like movies can be exciting. I didn't give it to Steven Chow movies. I give it to like uh, Kung Fu Hustle or Shaolin Soccer. Like the, well, but the difference is, but the difference, is a Stephen Chow movie is ridiculous from the start. Yeah. This movie is yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. balance being a serious cop movie and funny. And that's not easy to do. In fact, I would say it's like not. 48 Hours or Lethal Weapon, they're the rare examples of this working. A lot of funny, yeah. uh, serious drama. And now I will say you could, for some of our audience, they might not be stoked that this is a cop movie. I will say, I think this movie's trying to be positive towards police officers it doesn't succeed at that does it like in the end the movie is really about how these criminal dudes have to get justice for themselves because the system is too corrupt to actually punish the power cops our main cops in the movie have to go rogue and leave the police force to do what needs to be done yeah it's definitely not a, a movie that is positive on the system which i love because it's it's also not about like neither one of our main cops are corrupt it's not about them being bad they're good people but the system is so fucked it doesn't matter that they're good people and they're not just good people they're mostly good at their jobs though occasionally michelle yo does make some decisions to put people in danger that maybe are not totally ethical mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. cynthia rothrock is a little bit inclined to a punch people cannon. yeah she's yeah, a bit yeah, of a loose yeah. cannon but still overall i think the movie does uh, on sort of that level kind of works but the the thing that really sells it is that it's funny without making our women a joke right like yeah. They, they they are serious martial artists. They are serious police, and they are, for the most part, with only a few exceptions, good at their job, right? And yet the movie's fucking hilarious because there's enough other characters doing ridiculous shit that it works and you don't have to because my worry with any movie where it's like oh yes madam it's about these female police officers that it would make them silly or a joke and the movie takes them very seriously and i fucking love that they are so and the joke stuff just kind of happens in their atmosphere right Right, they're never like the butt of the joke like and like even like the fact that cynthia rothrock is like a blonde white lady in china like, yo, the jokes about that are hilarious, right? Like right. the Chinese police officers, when she gets to the airport, are talking shit in Chinese. And then you find out that she speaks Chinese, too. And then, like, just 
all like the stuff like that that's in there, pretty damn funny. Pretty good. It it just there's really like, there's like a couple white characters in the movie, one of which the main one did, like gets shot in the beginning of the movie, and that's the whole thing that they're trying to figure out. And uh it's good. Yo, how about the fact that the bad guys are like balding? Love like it. the main bad Love dude it. Love in the it. white suit, he's like got the balding mullet or the bullet. Yeah. Which is yeah, you yeah. know, a style popularized in the West, yeah. but let me tell you. <laughs> that's like the dude that like his homies weren't close enough to be like, yo dog, um, <laughs> this ain't, this ain't dude. You, I don't know who you think you're fooling, but you're only fooling your stuff. And I want to be clear. Like when I compare this to Hollywood movies, it's important to keep in mind, this is a not big budget Hong Kong film, right? Mm-hmm. There's not massive special effects here. This is not a massive production, but It's so fucking exciting. Like the action works so well. Like, can we stop for a moment and just say, like, Michelle Yeoh's always been great. Like from this movie on, she's just great. Still great. I watched that that Gunpowder Milkshake movie, which was not my favorite, but dude, her in it, she is still doing all the things, man. She's still doing all the things, and it's like, yo, this lady is like sixty now, and she's doing kung fu in a kung fu movie. Wild. And speaking of Gunpowder Milkshake, modern filmmakers need to watch these movies and realize you want a wide shot. When you go tight on every fight, it makes the fight not exciting. Pull back. And if you can't pull back, get better stunt people or get people who can do the work. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's 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 every it's it's the Zack Snyder school of thought where if every punch is a haymaker, then there are no such things as haymakers in these fight sequences. Which, you know, that's the problem with it's, modern. It's crazy. Filmmaking. It's crazy. That isn't John Wick. This movie, it's all like the, the part where Cynthia is, uh, Rothrock is fighting the main sort of villain guy in the airport. Uh, or it's not a different <sighs> villain guy in the airport. And they pull back and she does the jump off the wall into the spin kick. That oh, shit is goodness. so good. Yeah. I mean, just the uh, this final fight, y'all. I don't, you know, this isn't the sort of movie where I feel like there's a lot of spoilers. There are some surprises in the movie uh, that uh, you know I'll leave as surprises, but for the most part, you know it's going to culminate in a big fight between our main ladies and the villains. The final fight is so fucking good, and it does that Jackie Chan thing, right? Of it's not quite as ridiculous as Jackie Chan, but it does manage to be funny while the fighting is for real. You know what I mean? Like the fighting isn't silly, but there are humorous moments during the fighting that fucking work. And they play off, uh, especially with Michelle Yeoh, but I think with Cynthia Rothrock as well, it plays off their personalities that they are sassy while they're trying to kick these dudes ass. It is so yeah. fucking good. It's so good. And it's like the kind of thing where like those, they, they just look like they're in fast forward almost. Right. It looks like it's just speed sped up, but it's not. And it, the physicality of those action sequences is immeasurable. It's so good. I mean, Just when she like jumps through, when she's on on the on the balcony, and she slides through the glass to flip around yeah. and kick the guy. Fucking magic, you know? Just what unbelievable shit. Even yeah, there's there's a so pullback, good. like a wide shot of Cynthia Rothrock jumping onto a chandelier and then flipping off to, off of it onto the ground. Now, it was there probably a mat below her? Sure, but we buy the movement because we see so much of it. Like it's it's not that there's, there's no yeah. cheating in these things. There's obviously cheating. These people are not, you know, jumping through normal glass. Like there's stuff there mm-hmm. to make this safer, but there's so but much there more at risk. There are a couple scenes though where some of the bad guys get their shit kicked in and like. Like there's one scene when Cynthia Rothrock's fighting a dude on a balcony and he goes, she kicks him and he goes over the balcony, 
lands on an awning across the way and then hits the floor. And the shot is taken from the floor, right? The camera angles from the floor up and there's no mat there. I saw no mat and it didn't. I'm pretty sure that's not CG. That man jumped off of a balcony, hit another awning and then hit the hit the deck. And that right. was a thing. Right. It's wild. I so mean, good, I, I'll straight up say for we, there are probably people we probably have a number of fans who are Jackie Chan fans. And sometimes what I've noticed is and this isn't true of everyone, but some people who like Jackie Chan have not explored other Hong Kong action. Right. Mm. I want to say. Open yourself up to other Hong Kong action. And that's not yeah, to man. say that any other performer does exactly what Jackie Chan does. No, he's unique. He's his own person. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there was a lot of great action coming out of Hong Kong in this period uh, through the 80s and the 90s. And, um, well, I'd say probably even more in the 80s, honestly. Uh, but um, while they're not as all over the top as some of these classic Jackie Chan movies, if you enjoy that sort of thing, I think there's something here for you. And for me, yeah. honestly... I love this movie. And this is the second time I've watched it. I saw it on film at uh, Alamo Yonkers. Thanks to friend of the show, uh, Justin Liberty. And uh, he so showed it sick. as part of a guilty or it wasn't, well, I forget what his thing was. Uh, some Alamo uh, uh, fucking, uh, 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 what am I thinking? Marathon that he did. He, he did this movie mm -hmm. and pff, what a gift, what a gift to get to see this. And it was, and I've been wanting to see it again since I saw it then. And so uh, when you were like, oh, we should maybe do Cynthia Rothrock, I was like, holy shit, yes, let's watch Yes, Madam. <laughs> um, and, and now, like I said, she's done other Hong Kong films. But, mm. I, you know, I do want to say, and we're going to talk about this when we switch to our other movie, eventually she came to the U.S. and started doing U.S. action. And people can have mm. opinions about that. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's like something written about her somewhere where we can talk about how her career kind of changed and how eventually mm -hmm. she ended up like in, um, you know, Eric Roberts levels, corny, you know, movies, you know, like she's been in a few David Dakota movies, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I think she was in, I don't think she was in talking cat, but she's in the movie. There's like a, uh, another movie like a talking cat that David Dakota made that she's in. Um, anyways, point is this. Her career sort of changed over time, and I don't know how much agency she had in that or how much that was producers or whatever, but I will say this. if she, The more of her Hong Kong films I can find, I'm going to watch because yeah. given the space and the room, she is an amazing performer when it comes to martial arts. Like Everything she does in this movie is like – unbelievable and it, she's she's doing it next to michelle yo one of the greats of all time so like she yeah. deserves that level of respect and i wish she had had the same opportunities and maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe it was you know the, she made the decisions that she wanted to make so i don't want to i don't want to assume a tragedy there because i don't know yet mm. uh, but i do think it's something that we're going to explore on this show into the future is more of her career and what these movies sort of mean about her career. But if you haven't seen Yes, Madam, I can't recommend it highly enough, especially if yeah, you it's like so martial fun. arts. Yeah, it's definitely, it occupies that space before, like before Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Kung Fu movies were straight up, not these like artistic oeuvres of like salient, beautiful silence. It was action packed, like think hard boiled, think you know those like super fun like action movies 
And this is definitely one of the exemplars of that era. Well, I think the kind of comparison to Hardboiled is kind of hard only because that movie is very serious. Like a lot of the John Woo movies are like almost too serious for some people, you know? This is yeah, a fun, silly it. movie. It's very much like a. this was produced by Sammo Hung as well as him uh, guest starring in it. And it, yeah. it feels like a Sammo Hung movie. It's not quite like The Gambler's Ghost or some shit like that, but it definitely has a fun spirit to it. Yeah, agree, agree. And there are not as many guns as in Hardboard, so or any gun movement. So yeah, it's you true. know, it's there, more there kung is, fu focused. There is some shooting though. Like it's not like a yeah. Oh, we're only fighting. Like there's you know, it's a cop movie. There's going to be some gun stuff, but uh, mm. but even the gun stuff was handled very well. And it, it, you know, I I just think this is a very sort of fun, impressive movie that maybe doesn't get as much shine as it deserves because um, there isn't the same cultic fan base around Michelle Yeoh that there is around your Jackie Chan's, your Jet yeah. Lee's, your Sammo Hung's and Cynthia Rothrock, like people who know, know, but I don't think she has the, the name. And, you know, uh, anyways, that's yes, madam. We're going to switch to talking about <laughs> Sworn to Justice. And so this is an important, th- I want, I want to talk about this. There's something here that's worth delineating, right? And I'm going to compare right. Cynthia Rothrock to Eric Roberts for a second. And I hope people aren't bummed on that, but I just want to do it right. Uh, and here's why. And Josh knows this. Thanks to our friend Doug Tilly, I've been a part of an Eric Roberts podcast for a long time now. And we've transitioned to covering other things, but we're still producing Eric Roberts content. And based upon our downloads, that's still the most popular thing we do on Cinema Smorgasbord. People care about Eric Roberts. One of the things we get as a pushback is that for some people, their appreciation of Eric Roberts, right? knows no critical edge, right? So right. they just love it wholeheartedly. No yeah. Matter. So they're in for King of the Gypsies. They're in for um the Pope of Greenwich Village. They're in for Runaway Train. They're also in for a talking cat. You know, they're also yeah. in for uh whatever Stop by other my doctor. Well to be fair, Stop by My Doctor is amazing. But uh <laughs> it really is. It's Stop by My Doctor too. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> The fact that we definitely delineate in Eric Roberts' career that he's done some movies that are really great and some movies that aren't so great, even if he is good in them. And then sometimes he's not even good in the movies that he does. That is <laughs> that is hard for some people to handle. They don't like that. I know that there are Cynthia Rothrock fans out there who are down for the whole thing. They don't delineate between Yes, Madam and... Sworn to Justice or Martial Law or even the more recent like David Dakota movies like they're in for Santa's Christmas whatever thing that she was in (laughs) Uh, or even the cool cat she was so one of the things Eric there's a series of uh educational police videos called cool cat that Eric Roberts has done and now Cynthia Rothrock has done them so much so that I'm like are they friends? Do they know each other? Because they've definitely worked in the same areas together, Cynthia Rothrock and Eric Roberts. All that to say, I'm okay with saying Cynthia Rothrock is a fucking phenomenon that we should be talking about and admitting that I don't love all of her later movies. Now, granted, I haven't seen them all. So I I bet there's going to be some of these U.S. movies that are fun, right, that we enjoy, that, 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 that still work for us the same way that, like, some people who love Eric Roberts don't like Best of the Best. I fucking love Best of the Best. Best of the Best is great. You know, it's corny, mm-hmm. it's cheesy, but it's fun. Sh- uh, Sworn to Mercy could have been Best of the Best, and it's fucking not. Sworn to Justice. Sorry. Sworn to yeah. Justice. That's right. Sworn to Justice could have been Best of the Best. It could have been a fun, 
shitty U.S. kung fu romp, and it's not that. It's actually kind of bad. And I don't want anyone who jumped onto this being like, I love everything Cynthia Rothrock's done. I'm not judging you. You should love whatever. That's not where me and Josh are at. We're coming at this like, yes, Madam is so amazing. If even a fifth of that fun was in this movie, I would have been on board. And this movie is not fun, and some of the fighting is not good. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, very fair to say. Very, very fair to say. Why don't you tell us what this movie is about? Tell me what happens. So, Cynthia Rothrock is a defense... She's not a lawyer, actually. She's a psychologist. She's a criminal psychologist. But she works for defense lawyers mostly because she is, what they call in the movie, a bleeding-heart liberal. And as a bleeding heart liberal, she wants criminals to get a fair shake. But also her sister and her nephew were brutally murdered. And she walked in on the murder, tried to fight the dudes and barely got away with her life. Also, besides being both a Kung Fu, you know, maybe not master, but she's very good at Kung Fu and martial arts in general and being a criminal psychologist. She's also a psychic. And if she touches objects, she can see things related to people based upon those objects. And so what she does is when she's not defending criminals in court or at least helping them get a fair shake, she's beating the shit out of them at night uh, defending the neighborhood. Convenience stores. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it's basically like stuff. it's basically like if Batman was a psychic and also defended criminals in court. That's Cynthia Rothman. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a there's a network of ex-cons who, when they get out on parole, are forced into doing criminal things for this the man. Uh and that's all they call him is the man. And she uncovers this conspiracy and she's trying to take it down because for some reason, which correct me if I'm wrong, they never clarify why her sister dies, right? Does that no, do they ever they say? They, no, they just say that they broke into the house and killed like the kid. They You find out later that the nephew that got killed is like nine years old. It's like, wait a minute. I thought that was an adult lying on the floor there. It's nine not, years old. There's a lot. So uh, there's a number of ways. So basically then she has to fight a bunch of people. And of course the cop yeah. who's the cop who's been like coming by the house a lot and been a little creepy towards her is of course the mastermind, the bad guy, even yeah. though the movie has made you think that her Tai Chi boyfriend might be the mastermind, but no, he's just a dude who's good at Tai Chi and beating and people got abs. up. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And of it's course, cool. even though Tai Chi really is legitimately related to fighting and lots of people who study Tai Chi could fight, they have to in the movie be like, oh, actually, I used to do Muay Thai. Oh, cool. Yeah, fine. That's fine. That's the only reason you know how to beat people up. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. here's here's the deal with the movie. Uh, this, these are the issues with the movie. One, the script is terrible. It's there's no mom- there's no Abysmal. moment of dialogue in this movie that is believable. Even for a second. It's all no. bad. Yeah. It's all so bad. Every single thing that Cynthia Rothrock says in the movie, you're just like, girl, what? Like, are you high? What's happening? Uh, yeah. It's yeah. So this movie awful. came out in 1996, right? But uh, this doesn't just look like your worst option of a 1996 movie. This looks like a made-for-TV 1996 movie. Like this, I said, it looks like an instructional video for yeah. law enforcement. Like, there's there's scenes inside an office space where all of the walls, the chairs, and uh, accompanying furniture is painted the same color gray. Yep, yep. And it looks like, I'm like, when that scene happens, I'm like, is this performance art? Are we going to get, like, some type of weird like meta thing happened to us now 
And it would be easy to write this off like, oh, well, this movie is just a Cynthia Rothrock project and there's no one else involved in it. No, 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 no. Cynthia Rothrock, no. Tony LoBianca, Brad Dorif, fucking yeah. Mako, Walter Mako's Koenig. In it? It's yeah, un- like it's, so many people are in this movie that are, you're like, wait, what? There are a lot of recognizable people wasting their time in this movie uh, with a script that sucks. Now, I will say the martial arts is actually a mixed bag. There are some moments where Rothrock is really kicking some butt and you think, oh, maybe this is going to work out. Maybe this movie is going to turn out to be at least OK. Uh, but there are also some scenes that are bad that just the fighting is not good it's shot poorly the people are pulling their punches in the most dumb way or like in a film in which we have actual kung fu you have dudes just like bar fighting and it's like okay whatever Uh, it's just i feel like you've got a dynamo like cynthia rothrock in the movie like let her do more ass kicking than she does in this movie again there is some if you are fiending for some Rothrock fights. There's a couple of fights here that I didn't think were bad, but there's not no. enough to justify. It's the not whole all terrible, but there, okay. So in the, in the first part of the movie, it opens with Cynthia Rothrock coming home and watching her sister get killed. And now, and then she tries to fight the dudes with the stockings on their faces and they got gun and like they're running around and she's like high kicking and high heels, right? She stabs the one dude in the thigh with her high heel. Yep. And then, she escapes, right? And she's running, and they do the slow mo thing where she runs, and the guy shoots, and the window like shatters behind her because the bullet gets there. And then she jumps off of the balcony, which, you know, it's like five stories, right? Maybe more. I don't know. And she hits her head on a tree. And then she like rolls down the hill, and she's fine. She's okay. She's in high heels, mind you. But and this like head business. injury is how she gets psychic powers, by the way. She hits her head, but, and then she has psychic powers. Also, an argument can be made that that's the actual end of the movie, and she's in a coma the whole time. Also and that's true. the only way that I've been able to make sense of this movie. I'm like, well, maybe in scene one, when she hits her head on the tree after jumping out the building, she's just imagining this whole thing. The element of the movie, I think, that doesn't work very well and I think is a distraction from what could have been more fun stuff is that this movie is an erotic thriller. There are multiple scenes that are just about Cynthia Rothrock and, uh, and Tai Chi guy, whose name, I don't even remember what it is. I don't even remember (laughs) something. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. Uh, it's them fucking like to, to be as crass as possible. Uh, there's just a lot of sex scenes in this movie. And at first I was like, there's also a underwear fighting scene. Isn't there a Cynthia Rothrock shows off her skills and underwears? Yes, yes, that's true. Which is like the least erotic way to show off your karate skills. I, I don't, I mean, look, I, you know, Cynthia Rothrock is a beautiful woman. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not here to judge her decisions in anything or whatever. And this might've been her thing to be like, yo, I want to show a softer side and make this like a super erotic film. Sure. Whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know what the decision making process is. It's mostly boring, you know, and that's the, <laughs> that's the bummer. And they do it multiple times. It's, it'd be one thing if it was just one scene that's like, okay, this is the scene where we need to show off how hot you are. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I don't. It's just that 
not compelling. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the, the this is my problem. Is like I find a lot of the ways that these sorts of erotic scenes are filmed are not actually sexy, and I don't think they actually highlight Cynthia Rothrock in any sort of uh, uh, way where I'm like, oh, she's she's really hot in this. No, like I don't, you know, again, I'm the audience for this. I am a heterosexual male who is, you know, for the most part into sex and sexuality (laughs) and who thinks Cynthia Rothrock is, you know, maybe not my ideal person, but I think she's a very beautiful woman and whatever. And I just was bored by these scenes. And I I think it's part of it is that her co-star is utterly until he starts to fight at the end in which some of his fight scenes are okay. Um, he's the most boring choice. They literally cast her next to a non person. In fact, part of the reason I thought he might be the villain is because he is so boring. I'm like, it's the only way you can justify this fucking character in this movie, right? Is that he turns out to be the the villain. This man could not be interesting for a million dollars. And I just feel like it's a real waste for him to be starring in this movie across from Cynthia Rothrock, who again, maybe, maybe there are people out there who say, well, she's not the most compelling actress. And I guess that's true. Like, I don't, I don't know that I'd put her in a Lars von Trier movie or something, but but she's pretty good. And, and, and of course the thing she's most good at is performing as a martial artist. And this film, and this film does not utilize her in that role enough to justify the film. In my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. It's that's what makes the whole film lackluster, but then that compounded with the lack of narrative direction or any compelling storyline at all. Actually, you've got it. You've got a movie about a fucking psychic criminal psychologist and the movie is mostly boring. That's weird. And I also like this is it's so 1996. These white dudes in in baggy suits are the bad guys like that. Yeah. And and as bad guys, we get no context for them. They are so one dimensional. Um, Just bad. Honestly, one of the best parts is her just like setting that dude on fire. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's I I, I wouldn't say this is terrible. Like I wouldn't go so far. Like we're being pretty negative. This is a movie that we've paired with Yes, Madam, which is like up there for me in modern kung fu movies. It's it's maybe not like a top 10, uh, but but it's close. It's close to a top 10 movie for me in in modern, uh, you know, modern and like not classic Shaw Brothers uh, kung fu films. Mm -hmm. So like that's tough competition. But I would say even among this era of straight to video 90s action, this movie just doesn't break through. It's it's not. Uh, you know, it's it's better for me than uh, uh, what what's ponytail guy's name? Um, ponytail dude. I don't know. You know, nineties <laughs> nineties action star with a ponytail. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. It's better than a Steven Seagal movie. Okay, I mean, uh, you know, there's a couple Steven Seagal I mean, movies. Kill's pretty good. Yeah, there are a couple couple Steven Seagal movies that I still appreciate. I'm not a big fan of Steven Seagal. And I found I, I prefer this to most Steven Seagal movies. But I will say if it was filmed better, it might beat out all even more Steven like there are a few Steven Seagal movies <laughs> that are super high quality that are still exciting even if I don't find him exciting as a performer. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. This movie it's like if you're gonna have this low a budget and this poor script, at least wow me. Right. Make it look good. Yeah. And there's and a, there's a, make it 
there's a couple of moments that are fun, but overall, the part that you're here for, the meat of the sandwich, is not overwhelming. So then you notice that the bread sucks and the mayo sucks and the cheese sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? If the if if the meat, if the fighting was so fucking killer, then who cares that the acting's bad? Who cares that the script is stupid? Yeah. You're there for what you're getting. This doesn't have but that. And it's a it's that. a bit of yeah. a bummer. And it's it's a reminder that like what a mixed career that she has, that she has these amazing movies and then these movies that maybe aren't, uh, at least they aren't um, probably universally loved. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. So I don't know. That being said, even not enjoying this, I'm still going to watch more of her movies and and I'll definitely still yeah. watch some of the American ones because I'm curious to see. So we'll put it on the list. It's of- an interesting story arc for sure. It's an interesting like – like, how did you go from that to this? Like, most right, people do it right. the other way. They start with the bad and end up with the awesome. And uh, this is not that. So it's an interesting story to be told, for sure. Maybe there are some Cynthia Rothrock experts out there who has some insight, who can help us That's out. true. If you consider yourself a Cynthia Rothrock as- expert and you would like to be a guest on a future episode, we'd love that because we're going to keep covering these movies, you know, add her to the list with like Michael Mann and, you know, uh, one of, one of those areas of film that like, we kind of know something about, but we want to know more. Uh, and so like, yeah, another one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that reminds me after, after covering, uh, the long goodbye, Goodbye. I want to do more Altman stuff. Let's, let's do another Altman double store. Yeah. We know any Altman experts. Holler at your boys. Yeah. Anyways, I let, let's let's yeah. wrap. We'll wrap up there. I mean, look, if you love the sort of low budget, kind of corny '90s action, um, you know, it's. I guess what it is to me is I could see some people loving this movie as like laughing at its ridiculousness, and that's mm-hmm. okay. That's not how I prefer to enjoy movies. But for me, I don't want that for Cynthia Rothrock because I found her so impressive in her Hong Kong stuff that I've seen, I want, I want her American stuff to also be impressive and not for it to be silly. Does that make sense? Or at the very least also to be joyful. Right. There's not a lot of joy in this movie. No, there's not. And that's, that's the element that makes her compelling to me on screen that even though it's fighting, even though it's ass kickery and even though it's like these odd notes in that atmosphere, it's fun. Yes. Madam is fun and i can only assume that these hong kong movies are like that but once i will you say putting it through the filter of this like not fun i don't know if i'm there for it i mean i will say i haven't finished it yet but what i've watched of martial law i think i have that name right i i could be wrong mm-hmm. um but whatever the there there's a there's a box set from vinegar syndrome uh that's uh two of the her american movies uh, i think they're called martial law but that's the same name as the sam hung show but anyways mm-hmm. um uh, the first one seems pretty good so far. I'm having fun with it. I think it doesn't okay. quite have enough of her ass kickery in it, but it's still a fun movie. So that's at least a positive. Like even if it maybe doesn't <laughs> highlight her as much as I would like, the movie itself yeah. is pretty enjoyable. So that's good. All right. I'll take it. I'll All take right. it. Well, that's the episode. Okay. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks for listening. As always, rate, review, subscribe. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk to us, where would you be able to find us on the interwebs, Liam? 
Well, they can head over to CinePunks.com to check out the archives of this show as well as a bunch of other shows, including new show on the network, Twitch of the Death Nerve, uh, featuring friend Sam Deegan, one of our few uh, double guests that we've ever had. Uh, <laughs> her and two friends talking about psychotronic cinema. Their first episode is Gates of Hell. They have a new episode. It probably will be out before this comes out about Shogun Assassin. Uh, and then from there, so they're good. just going to keep covering, you know, uh, you could say cult, but they're going to focus more on the obscure end of cult. You know, like you could say mm-hmm. Buckaroo Banzai is a cult movie, but it's not obscure, really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're they're yeah, covering yeah, yeah. cult film. I mean, I guess the term would be psychotronic, right? The, these movies yeah. that do something utterly weird and and interesting. So I'm excited to see where they go. It's very much a show of experts. You know, if, <laughs> if, if you like our show, but you want a show that has people who actually know things, then I would check their show out because that's the, di- sure. that's the big difference I would say is that they, and also for the record, Sam has always lent us her expertise as it's a very way true. to legitimate what it is that all of Cinepunks does. So big up to Sam. Yep. Love you. Yep. Thank you so much for being a part of the fan. Also, you can find Cinepunks on social media, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and all the other podcasts on the network. You're great. Thanks. Talk to you later. Love you. Talk to you soon. Smoke bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.